Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Thanks for being here. Um, last week, uh, when we were chanting the Heart Sutra, this line jumped out at me. Avalokiteshvara Bodhisattva when deeply practicing Prajnaparamita, clearly saw that all five aggregates are empty and thus relieved all suffering. That's when it popped. Relieved all suffering. How did that happen? So that's been in uh, mind and um, some stuff... um, came to mind and I wrote it out and then um, so I guess the title of this is the self and the heart sutra Um, for a while um, the notion of no self the teaching of no self has been rolling around in the background in fact one of my um, my favorite quotes is uh, precisely the self I haven't thought up is who I really am, um, Koto Sawaki. And so that's playing in the background too. And so um, there seems to be a connection to me, um, the particular self who's considering this, that um, there's a connection between deeply practicing prajnaparamita that allows for an investigation of the aggregates and the relief of suffering therefore. So, this is what I wrote about that. Being human means to have a self constructed via the aggregates. The brain seems to congeal a self automatically through experience of the five aggregates, which develop are formed via the six senses. Like, just like you're human, you have a meal, the food digests, and then it creates stuff of the body and energy to live. So just by the fact that we're here in human form, this develops like uh, hearing develops or um, we have little stubs and then they turn into hands, you know. Uh, So this self is sort of just what happens by virtue of being human. Now, See, oh, the self, the me or I that is constructed automatically is the one thought up in Kodosawaki's quote, as far as I'm concerned, that it's not thinking it up, it's our being and it comes into being and it's a thought, part of one of the mental formations. As our beings form the aggregates 
a sense of self forms, and that's kind of automatic too. Um, this is called by some people it's called selfing and it's something that we um, seem to do automatically um, when we're on an automatic pilot when we're not practicing Prajnaparamita um, all these experiences are self-referenced happen to um, because of or in spite of the made-up self. The sense of self develops as a natural survival mechanism. On the lookout for danger and opportunities for gain. So that's a particular self that seems to come into being automatically because we're human. Does that make sense? So how does uh, insight or clearly seeing into the emptiness of the self liberate one from self uh, from suffering. Um, so, um, let's go back to that first line. Um, Avalokiteshvara Bodhisattva uh, is the one that's practicing wisdom beyond wisdom, Prajnaparamita. So, it seems to require a bit of compassion when we practice seeing the self when we practice seeing the aggregates form, when we practice being with or turning our awareness toward our present, current experience um, in accordance with the teaching of the Satipahana Sutta, the Four Foundations of Mindfulness. We'll see what else I have here. Dogen. To study the Buddha way is to study the self. That is what I would say this is the self that we automatically make up. To study the self is to forget the self. And it seems to be what happens when you practice the foundations of mindfulness. To forget the self is to be actualized by myriad things. When actualized by myriad things, your body and mind as well as the bodies and minds of others drop away. No trace of enlightenment remains and no trace, this no trace continues endlessly. Ichiyama Roshi says, when we open the hand of thought, the things made up inside our heads fall away. That's the meaning of dropping off of body and mind. Kurosawaki again. We stop the one who can't cease from seeking things outside and practice with our bodies, with a posture that seeks absolutely nothing. It seems instructional. So, um, part of my experience of this is uh, practicing the foundations of mindfulness, returning to the breath over and over again, watching how 
um, the aggregates come up and returning to what's happening right here and now um, begins to loosen a sense of self, this concrete I am fill-in-the-blank self. And because of that, um, I think for sure suffering ends for other people because I'm not Adam. And um, my experience, I've had a couple of experiences that kind of indicate this, that uh, there's a part of me who is not who I think I am. So, um, driving really helps me see this. I'm driving down the road. I might have told some of you guys the story. Um, and I'm minding my own business in the right lane. Somebody comes along in the left lane and turns on the cross street in front of me. Right in front of me. So this is what happened. I happened to be practicing mindfulness at the time. And I noticed this huge amount of energy shoot up. You know, I got tense, angry, my hands went like this. And then I had thoughts. <laughs> Something along the lines of that. And then um, this other sort of reactive thought came and said, I should follow him. Hunt him down. Then this is the, where this other self comes in. I have this thought, this thought comes up, this other self appears <laughs> and says, it's not worth it. That's still a little self, self, self-centered. But then, all the energy drains out of my body. That anger, hatred, just... And I was like, what? Uh, and um, then this thought comes up. Oh, there's a hospital in that direction. Maybe it's an emergency. And this thought comes up. Gee, that's not like me. I have a lot of gratitude for this practice. The end of suffering um, that seems to be happening because of the practice um, has to do with um, the end of this fighting um, and seeing the world as hostile for me. Seeing it um, sometimes as friendly. See what else I have here. So, um, uh, there's a little bit of um, um, 
I wanted to say something about um, maybe how it happens through Zazen. Dangerous territory, I know. But um, I can rely on a scholar. Andrew uh, Olinsky, um, the Buddhist scholar. Um, I, I was reading some of his stuff. He has a whole uh, section on self, which is really interesting. But this is what he says um, about the practice of mindfulness. The Buddha offers an image of the mind like a water jug. It is half full of water. Mara, the personification of delusion in Buddhist mythic imagery, can gain access and cause all sorts of mischief. This happens when one sees the world with half of one's available awareness and thinks about it with the other half. Thinks about it with the other half. This automatic thinking. You know the thinking we know really well if you're sitting zazen and it pops in uninvited. Have y'all ever noticed that? Yeah, I have over and over. Um, Mara, the trickster figure, represents the unseen neurotic habitual tendencies that usually direct mental chatter. Isn't that well put? But if the water jug is full to the brim, Mara can gain no access. Conscious awareness is fully engaged, but with direct sense experience rather than with mental narrative. By filling up the senses, by filling up the senses, one empties out the mind. What he says. With the peace that ensues from the quieting of the mind in this way, Dharma investigation can begin. Now that see that last part, Dharma investigation can begin. So it, it seems that um, then I can clearly see my aggregates forming into this trickster. Um, yeah. And for me, it, seeing it, acknowledging it, particularly if Avalokiteshvara is present, um, diminishes it greatly. And what I mean by that is this automatic um, self that's the habitual neurotic patterns he talked about um, I think that's um, I, I guess that's all I have to say for now unless someone has comments or questions I'm still working on all, the, all these things, so, you know. Thank you. I'm, I'm a little concerned of, about whether or not it made any sense. Okay. <laughs> yes, sir. Absolutely. Perfect sense. Oh. The self that you describe is what I, in my own discoveries 
this thing in the back of your mind that exists for the preservation of the organism that we are, that causes us to desire food, avoid pain, and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. And my problems in my practice is when I hold on to this biological self as the fundamental absolute reality, mm -hmm. that's where I have problems. So you've described it beautifully. Wow. Yeah, I can relate. <laughs> okay. Thanks.
put put out and spread, try to spread thing, uh, thoughts and actions that uh, make the world less violent, less less needy, less less, uh, less of suffering. And, you know, and just one person put you know, five million. And, but uh, it's it's helpful. So uh, just getting back to what I started with. You know, Frequent and simple gratitude is a great way to, uh, uh, to, 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 to let the, the body and all its me too, or, you know, me, me, me type of stuff. Oh. So, okay. Thank you. Do you mind if I summarize for the recorder what you said? that be okay? Okay. Okay. So what I heard you say was that you intentionally practice gratitude. Yeah. Bring it to mind as an antidote to Mara, the trickster. Suffering. Yeah. And that what you've noticed in doing that is it brings about an attitude of generosity for those less fortunate. Is that accurate? Yeah. It's generosity. Yes. Hmm? Thank you. Uh, if, right, if, if one is grateful, uh, generosity, I think, follows.
this means is uh, when it says the aggregates are empty it means that we clearly recognize that they're made up of something that's not substantial and that changes all the time and is very contextual this has been my experience so not only the aggregates but these different selves are contextual um, like um, I'm very, I'm a very different Saints fan self. <laughs> uh, I'm a very uh, uh, different, um, sometimes driver self. Um, I've noticed a few years ago how um, uh, members of the opposite sex used to elicit a certain self. <laughs> that was, um, you know, suave. Um, yeah, so that, yeah, and uh, that's, that's my understanding of emptiness. It really seems like not a very good translation. Yeah. And that's probably what I said isn't the greatest either, but it's something like it doesn't have substance. And so um, the self really doesn't have that either. It's empty as well. Um, yeah. So that's, that's what came to my mind when I was, and I completely forgot to mention it. Thanks for bringing it up. That's on this page. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I can read it. No, not. I mean, just can you summarize the aggregates? Remember. Well, let me let me see. So the first one is rupa, and that's form or matter, the material something some material that can be sensed. Um, Vedanta, na is a physical or mental sensation that we experience through contact of the six faculties with the external world. That's why I didn't talk a lot about these things. Um, So the third one, perception, 
is the faculty that recognizes most of what we call thinking fits into the aggregate of um, perception. Knowledge that puts together. And then the fourth one is mental formation. All volitional actions, good or bad, are included in the aggregate of mental formations. The fifth one is consciousness. There's a reaction that has one of the six faculties as its basis and one of the six corresponding phenomenon as its object. So this is, the, this is why, why I like Zen as well. You know, when I first started looking into Buddhism and I saw this, I wanted to go somewhere else. It's complicated. And you know something? I don't think it's exhaustive either. I don't think this is it. I don't think it's the whole ball of wax. I think there's more to it. But that's my thinking. 